Well, this evening, friends, we are going to bring to a conclusion our little series of messages that we've been thinking about over the last uh, two Sundays. And just in case you weren't here the last two Sundays, uh, on the first Sunday we were thinking of the greatness of God. And then last Sunday we were thinking of that special a group of people that's mentioned in the book of Daniel, chapter 11, in which it says, The people that do know their God shall be strong and shall do act lights. And we said last Sunday that it is possible, gloriously possible, to know the wonderful God we were thinking about on the first Sunday. Well, this evening we're going to conclude our little series of messages by thinking on a very interesting, a very important subject, and that is the voice of the Lord. Because as we get to know God, we're going to find that God is a God who speaks, he communicates, and we have to be tuned in to listen to what the Lord would say to us. Uh, some time ago, I had a delightful experience. Uh, due to modern technology, uh, some old phonograph and gramophone recordings from the late 1880s were transferred to modern CDs. And I had the joy and the great privilege of listening to some of the voices from the past. And what a joy and delight it was. I heard the voice of D.L. Moody speak. The one that I was speaking to, speaking about uh, last Sunday. I actually heard Moody speak. And then of course I heard Sankey, his song leader. And of course you know that Moody and Sankey held great crusades, not only in America, but also here in Scotland. Moody was the great preacher, Sankey was the great song leader, and I had the privilege of listening to Sankey. But then of course I had the joy of listening to William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army. What a tremendous man of God he was. He wrote that tremendous hymn, Send the Fire. And if anybody knew about the fire of God, it was the great William Booth. And then I heard the voice of that dynamic and fairy American evangelist by the name of Billy Sunday, a man greatly used of God in America. And then I had the joy of listening to that wonderful preacher, Gypsy Smith. And what a delight and joy it was. Voices from the past. But you know, dear friends, there's one voice in which we have no recording of. And that is the voice of the Lord. And how all of us this evening surely would have longed to hear his voice speaking to us. What was it like? 
We can only speculate, we can only imagine what the voice of the Lord sounded like. And that is what we're going to think about this evening at a time, the voice of the Lord. Now, I want to take you on a little trip this evening. You want to go on a little trip? Well, uh, if you've read H.G. Wells' uh, Time Machine, you know, of course, that's a fantastic invention, uh, science fiction, of course, uh, in which you get into this wonderful machine, the Time Machine, and you can set the dial either into the future or you can set the dial into the past. And we're going to get into H.G. Wells' time machine, and we're going to set the dial back at 2,000 years. We'll be away for about 20 or 25 minutes, and then we shall come back again, of course, to the 21st century. And what we're going to do this evening, in our minds, in our imaginations, we're going to imagine that we are there at the time in which our wonderful Lord was walking on this earth, the streets of Jerusalem, the shores of Galilee, and we're going to mingle with the crowds, and we're going to mingle with the inner circle of our Lord's disciples, and we're going to listen to the Lord's voice. So we get into the time machine, we set the dial, 2,000 years in the past, and we find ourselves there mingling with the crowds and with the disciples. And as we do so, there would be four things that would impress us as we listen to the Lord speak. Four things that that would be impressed indelibly upon our hearts and upon our minds as we listen to him. First of all, we're going to see that his voice would have been a voice of authority. And then secondly, we're going to see it would have been a voice of familiarity. And then thirdly, we're going to see it would be a voice of strength. And then lastly, before we return to 21st century, we're going to see it was a voice of tenderness. Four characteristics about the voice of the Lord. First of all then, it would have been a voice of authority. Now here's what Matthew says in Matthew chapter 7. At the conclusion of the Lord's Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew 5, 6 and 7, Matthew says in verse 28 of chapter 7, And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. There's the people, and they've been listening to Jesus given what we call the day, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6 and 7. And at the conclusion, they were astonished at his doctrine. For they sensed that note of authority 
in the Lord's voice. Here was someone speaking not only with power, but speaking with authority. And Matthew adds these words, And not as the scribes. Now what did he mean? Simply this. If you would have stepped into a synagogue in our Lord's day, you would have heard the rabbis get up to teach and to speak. And they would say, Rabbi so-and-so says this. Rabbi so-and-so says that. And they would refer back to the great rabbinical teachers as their authority. But the people, they send something. Here's this young preacher from Galilee, the Galilean, Jesus of Nazareth. He doesn't refer to the great rabbis, rabbi so-and-so. No, he says, I say unto you. And they couldn't fail to sense, here's someone and he gets his authority not from the great rabbinical teachers but he speaks with an authority that is of his own he taught them as one having authority there was that authority in our Lord's voice that made them sit up here's someone different from the scribes the rabbis, the Pharisees but then, of course, do you remember that incident? The Lord Jesus was traveling with his disciples over the Sea of Galilee when suddenly, unexpectedly, there came this storm on that little lake. Now, that wasn't anything unusual. It was given two storms because of the geographical position of that particular lake. And suddenly, the disciples, they found themselves in this great storm. And remember, they were seasoned fishermen. And they were terrified. And our Lord Jesus was sleeping. And they awoke him and they said, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And then we're told that Jesus awoke from his sleep. He got up. And the Bible says he rebuked the winds. And he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And there was a great calm. Again, the voice of authority. Is it any wonder the disciples said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Actually, it's much stronger in the Greek. It signifies from what country is this man. This isn't just an ordinary person. Why, the winds obey him. He speaks and the wind ceases and the sea becomes a tremendous calm. And so dear friends, if we had listened to Jesus, we would have sensed a voice of authority. But then of course, we would notice it was a voice of familiarity, especially to the disciples. Why is that? Well, for the simple reason, for three years, 
the Lord has gathered around him disciples, not just the twelve, but the seventy and other disciples. And for three years, these disciples would have continually, constantly heard Jesus speak to the multitudes in public, but also to the disciples in private. So over that period of three years, it would have been a familiar voice to them. And that is why we say it would have been a voice of familiarity. Especially to one person in particular. And that is that lovely woman, Mary Magdalene. Do you remember on the resurrection morning? She was heartbroken. She went along to the tomb, saw the stone rolled away, and jumped to the wrong conclusion. They have taken away the Lord, and we know not where they have led him. She lingered at the tomb, as you know. She saw the angels that said, Why are you weeping? And then she turns round and she sees uh, whom she thought was the gardener. And the Lord said, Woman, why weepest thou? Who are you seeking? And uh, Mary Magdalene said, Sir, if you have taken away, tell me where you have taken him, and I shall take him away. And then notice what happened. Jesus said unto her, Mary. And just the way he would have said and pronounced her name, Mary. She turns round and she says, Rabboni, which means Master, it's you. It's you. You have risen from the dead. You see, she recognized the familiar voice of her beloved Master. Just the way he would have said, Mary. Now, isn't that wonderful? Mary recognized the Lord in his resurrection by his voice. Isn't the Lord wonderful? He just ministers to us the way we need Mary. And she's at his feet. And he says, don't touch me. Literally means don't cling to me. I have not yet ascended to my father. Go tell my disciples. And she was the first missionary, the first apostle, if you like, to take the good news of the risen Christ, voice of familiarity. And I'm sure that lingered in the heart and mind of Mary Magdalene to the very day that she died. He spoke by name, and I recognized him by the way he spoke by name voice of familiarity the same thing would apply to the other disciples the familiar voice multitudes the disciples for three years they heard him preach they heard him teach but then thirdly it would have been a voice of strength now I know I've been preaching for a long long time over the years and I know, of course, there are some people, and they don't like preachers that shout. Now, if there are any in the meeting tonight, and that is what you don't like, 
I don't know, of course. I hope not. Because if you are one of those people that don't like preachers that shout, well then there's every possibility that you would not have liked the Lord. Why is that? Because his voice was a voice of strength. He shouted. Let me give you one or two examples. Take the case of Lazarus, John chapter 11. You know the story. Uh, Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha, had taken sick. And being good disciples, they sent a message to Jesus, who was in the Transjordan. He whom thou lovest is sick. That's all they said. He whom thou lovest is sick. But of course the implication is that when Jesus received the message, he would drop everything, come from the Transjordan, come back to Bethany, lay his hands upon Lazarus, raise him up. How strange, how mysterious are the ways of God. Because when Jesus received the message, instead of going immediately, he stayed two more days. And when he eventually got back to Bethany, Lazarus in the meantime had died and was buried. Story continues. Martha greets him and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And then the Lord said, where have you led him? And then we come to that wonderful verse, the shortest verse in the Bible. Just two words. Jesus wept. Now, John uses a very strong Greek verb in that little verse. It doesn't mean that his eyes glistened with tears. It literally means in the original, Jesus burst into tears. And down his lovely cheeks flowed, if you want, rivers of tears. Not crocodile tears, genuine tears, as he stands at the tomb of Lazarus. Jesus wept. And then he said something that must have shocked them. He says, take away the stone. And if I could paraphrase, if I could say, well, Martha, um, you haven't got it, Lord. You haven't grasped the situation. We sent for you. And he's dead. And he's in the tomb. And by this time, to use the authorised version, he stinketh. Decomposition has set in. And Lord, you say, take away the stone. And then the Lord said, Set it not unto thee, that if you would believe, you shall see the glory of God. The world says, seeing is believing. In the Christian life, it's the opposite, believing 
they see it. No. If you would believe it, you shall see the glory of God. And after a brief prayer, John, remember, he was there, he was present at this particular incident. It says, Jesus cried with a loud voice. Now, he could have whispered, but he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And wonder of all wonders, the great miracle took place. He that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot. And Jesus said, Loose him and let him go. Notice he cried with a loud voice. Lazarus, come forth. Can you imagine the rejoicing, the excitement of seeing your brother coming out again, alive and well, being dead for four days? Voice of strength. Now, our Lord Jesus was on the cross for six long hours. From the third hour to the ninth hour. Or from nine o'clock our time to three o'clock our time. Six hours on the cross. And during those six hours, our blessed Lord, he spoke seven times from the cross. Now, I wonder if I would attest that we meet this evening. I wonder, could you give me the seven signs on the cross? Seven times the master spoke. And over the years in different churches, I had the joy of taking the people through those seven signs on the cross. By they're so wonderful and full of great teaching. And two of those seven signs were uttered with a loud voice. You see, from the sixth hour, midday, to the ninth hour, three o'clock, darkness had engulfed the scene. And as the darkness began to lift, they heard the Lord Jesus cry out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. By God, by God, why hast thou forsaken me? That was spoken with a loud voice. Have you ever wondered why in your life? Of course you have. If you haven't, I've got news for you. You will at some time say why. And you may never get the answer. To that question, why? The Lord didn't get the answer. He cried, why hast thou forsaken me? With a loud voice. And then coming towards the end of those sufferings. Before he dismissed his spirit. And gave up the ghost as the Bible says. He cried again. That triumphant cry. It is finished. Three words in the authorised, just one word in the original. It is finished. And that was with a, a loud cry.
cry, a loud voice, voice of strength. Isn't it wonderful, dear friends, that our blessed Lord was in control up to the last seconds? No man took his life from him. All the powers of hell did not take his life from him. And when he had finished your salvation and my salvation, he then said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, bowed his head, and he died in control to the very last. Fulfilling his own word, I have authority to lay down my life. And I have authority to take it again. No man taketh my life from me. <laughs> Do you remember what Pilate said to the Lord? When the Lord refused to answer? He says, Do you not realize that I have power to crucify you or to let you go? Was the Lord cringing with fear? Of course not. He said to Pilate, You could have no power against me unless it was given to you from above. How do you think Pilate felt? The mighty governor, the mighty Pontius Pilate. <laughs> it's not you, Pilate. You have no power. It was given to you by the permissive will of God. Now, are you getting this, friends? Voice of authority. You couldn't, you couldn't feel it to miss that. And then a voice of familiarity to the crowds, to the disciples. Voice of strength. Pride, Lazarus, come forth. It is finished. And dear friends, don't try and insult the Lord by adding anything to it. Not your good works. Not your church going, not water baptism, not the communion service, not your morality, not your righteousness. It's finished. All that was needed to be done was done for time and for eternity. And all we can do is accept the finished work of the Lord Jesus. But then, fourthly, and uh, we're almost about to get into H.G. Wells' time machine and come back to the 21st century. A voice of tenderness. We mustn't miss this. John records a lovely incident concerning one time, one morning, the Lord was in the, in the outer temple and he was sitting down and he was teaching the people. When suddenly there's a noise and uh, the scribes and the pharmacies are dragging with them this woman. And they put her in front of the Lord who was sitting. And they said, Master or Rabbi, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses said, she should be sold. I, what do you say? Of course, what they were trying to do is to put the Lord in the corner. Get him to violate, as it were, the law of Moses, that they may accuse him. Ah, oh, you can't do it, the Lord. You can't put the Lord in a tight corner. 
And the Lord, he was sitting, and he just stooped over, and he began to write in the dust on the ground. What he wrote, what he wrote we don't know. But they continued. They said, come on, Master. Come on, Rabbi. Moses said, she should be stones. What did you say? He rose up. Or he, 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 he rose up. And listen very carefully to what he said. Let him that is without sin among you be the first to cast a stone at her. Now he did not say he that is without sin. Oh no. If he had said that then our Lord Jesus who was the sinless one he would have been the one that would have cast the first stone because he was sinless. He didn't say that. He said he that is without sin among you the scribes and the Pharisees. You want to carry out the law of Moses? Okay then. He that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone. What a dancer. What a dancer. And John says, silence. And one by one, from the elders right down they just slowly moved away let me say something friends have you noticed anything there's something missing here they brought the woman where's the man where's the man takes two to play this game where's the man ah they just brought the woman where's the old fella He's gone somewhere. They haven't brought him. Because the Bible says, not that she should be stoned, but that both of them should be stoned. Both the adulterer and the adulteress. Both of them should be stoned. You see, dear friends, the Lord was acting, first of all, with regard to the law. He couldn't violate the law of Moses. He gave him the opportunity you want to carry the law of Moses? Okay then. Whoever is sinless among you, you cast the first stone. Fulfill the law of Moses. According to Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Go ahead. They didn't take up the challenge. What the Lord was doing, dear friends, and listen to this very carefully. He was acting in grace. Acting in grace. Because when they all left, the scribes and pharmacies the poor woman, she was still there. That she could have got away. She could have run away. No, she's still there. Jesus raised himself up again. And he says, woman, where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? Notice what she said. No one, Lord. That's very interesting. That word curious, Lord, in the original it could signify sir, it could signify master, or it could signify the way in which we refer to the, to the name Lord. Not so, none Lord. And here's what our Lord says. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now what, not for one second was the Lord condoning the sin of that woman that he could never do. 
But you see, dear friends, there's such a thing as forgiveness. There's such a thing as grace. And we would not be here this evening in this meeting if there, was any, if there wasn't a thing called grace. Because we are what we are by the wonderful grace of God. And that woman, I have no doubt, that as she realized she's in the presence of this wonderful Christ who could have condemned her, who could have cast the first stone. But there's love in his heart. There's mercy in his heart. There's compassion in his heart. And he deals with her in grace. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Call a halt to it. Voice of ten. Now friends, he didn't shout that. Oh no. You can sense the tenderness. The compassion. In his heart. In his voice. And he said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Oh, it must have been a tremendous voice. The voice of the Lord. Voice of authority. Voice of familiarity. Voice of strength. Voice of tenderness. There's a lovely old hymn by someone... W.E. Littlewood I don't know if it's a man or a woman but here's what the, the head writer said there is no voice like the voice of Jesus tender and sweet as chime like musical ring of a flowing spring in the bright summer time there is no voice like the voice of Jesus my dear friends, we have no recording of his voice. But here's the good news. One day, one day, we are going to hear him speak. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that exciting? Isn't that thrilling that one day we shall not only see him and be like him, but we shall hear him speak. And what do you want him to say to you, dear friends? I hope it's the same what I want him to say to this poor creature before you. Stanley, well done. Good and faithful servant. That will be two heavens to be if I hear him say that to me. Well done. Good and faithful servant servants now you're probably saying dear friend when I stand there that's wonderful but uh, can we still hear the Lord speak today now this would take another Bible study which I have in time of course tonight but God still speaks the Lord still speaks do you hear the music do you hear the voices you don't hear the music you don't hear the voices? Are you sure? Why do you not hear the music? Why not hear the voices? If we had a radio in the meeting tonight, and if we turned it on, what would happen? It would pick up the radio waves, the airwaves, and we would hear music. We would hear speaking. In other words, we would be tuned in to the airwaves 
the radio waves. And dear Christian, if you want to hear the Lord's voice, well then you've got to get tuned in. God has given you the faculty to hear him. Now it might not be an audible voice. Of course that could happen. The Lord spoke to an audible voice to Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus. So there's every possibility that the Lord could speak to you in an audible voice. But he's many ways of speaking. He speaks through his word. Speaks through circumstances. Speaks through people. But we need to be tuned in to hear his voice. Some Christians say, well, you know, he never speaks to me. Never speaks to me. Speaks to Billy Graham. Speaks to all these great preachers. Never speaks to the like of me. Do you know why? I'll tell you. To them, it is a monologue. They do all the speaking. You see, it should be a dialogue. Not just a monologue. You speak. He speaks. As Samuel said, you remember young Samuel? Speak, for thy servant heareth. Are you tuned in to hear the Lord speak? Now you may not like what he's going to say to you. He might rebuke you. He might challenge you. He might encourage you. He might cheer you up. But uh, he wants to speak to you. Because Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And we need to be sensitive to uh, his voice. And who knows, dear friends, maybe tomorrow morning he'll speak to you. Are you tuned in? Get tuned in. Be sensitive. And I'll tell you why. There are many, many voices in this world. And they're clamoring for your attention. The radio, the television, politicians. And they're clamoring, they're speaking. And they want to get your attention. Be careful who you listen to. The Lord wants to speak to you personally and he wants to speak to the church collectively with regard to what's going to happen in this church great things perhaps in years to come this place will be filled to capacity and you have to move to a bigger premises let me finish dear friends by reading to you a lovely hymn by Francis Ridley Havago lived from 1836 to 1879 she wrote many hymns. And this just sums up what we've been speaking about tonight. Make this your prayer. Master, speak. Thy servant heareth. Waiting for thy gracious word. Longing for thy voice that cheereth. Master, let it die be heard. I am listening, Lord, for thee. What hast thou to say to me? Speak to me by name, O Master. Let me know it is to me. Speak that I may follow faster with a step more firm and free where the shepherd leads the flock in the shadow of the rock. Master, speak, though least and lowest. Let me not on her depart. Master, speak, for O oh, thou knowest all the yearning of my heart. Knowest all this truest need. Speak and make me blessed 
indeed. The last verse. Master, speak and make me ready when thy voice is truly heard with obedience glad and steady still to follow every word. I am listening, Lord, for thee. Master, speak. Oh, speak to me. May God bless you, dear friends, and a bit of joy over these last three Sundays. Speaking of the majesty, the glory of our wonderful God. And then to think that we can be the people that know our God and be strong and do exploits. And then to think that the great creator, the Lord of the universe, can communicate to you and to me. God bless you.